It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. This is Kyle Hyman, and joining us to talk about Divine Mercy is Father Chris Aylar. Thanks for being here, Father Chris. Yes, thank you very much. When we talk about Divine Mercy, why do we have these special devotions in the Catholic Church when really they're all just Jesus? We have all these different names for Jesus. Why Divine Mercy any different than just devotion to Jesus? Uh, Great question, because I think there's a lot of confusion about that. First of all, what makes Divine Mercy unique is that it's not just the devotion. It's what we in the Marian Fathers refer to a message and a devotion. Hmm. And the message of divine mercy, which Pope Benedict made very clear, he said, quote, is the nucleus of the gospel. So hmm. the message of divine mercy is really the essence of scripture, uh, the nucleus of the gospel, which is obviously not optional. Now, God's been trying to give us that mess- this message of mercy, which I can explain in detail later, but he's been trying to give us this message of mercy since Adam and Eve in the garden. And the problem is we're stubborn, we're stiff-necked people, broken human nature, and we don't listen too well. So throughout history, he's been raising up great saints and prophets to bring it to us, and we're just not, we're not listening. And so finally, he gets to the 20th century, and he says, you know what, I'm bringing this all together, you, St. Faustina, will help prepare the world for my final coming. Now, what makes it unique is he gave her five new channels of grace, and we call that the devotion of divine mercy. Okay. And we teach the little acronym FINCH, F-I-N-C-H, to remember the five elements of this divine mercy devotion, which is F is the feast of divine mercy, I is the image of divine mercy, N is the novena of divine mercy, C is the chaplet, And H is the hour of divine mercy. Now, to answer your question, what makes it different? Two things. One, yes, devotions are optional in the Catholic Church and always have been, but this is different. One, it's the devotion to help you live the message of divine mercy, which is not optional. But secondly, it's not like a devotion to St. Therese or others. This is a devotion to God directly. And It's also not just our devotion to God, but the whole essence of divine mercy is God's devotion to us. Even in the Sacred Heart, which many people point out, that message to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque was Jesus saying, come to me, I am love, but yet in divine mercy, which many claim fulfills the Sacred Heart, Hmm. Jesus is coming to us. And this is his last ditch effort. Um, His left foot in the image is stepping forward. He's coming to us, and that's why Pope John Paul said, mercy is love's second name. In Sacred Heart, we have God as love, but in the Divine Mercy, we have God as love put into action. What does that mean when you talk about mercy? Because it's interesting that you mentioned Genesis and kind of this constant chasing of God toward us, and... I think a lot of times we think of mercy as being a New Testament thing and not an Old Testament thing. So what do we mean by divine mercy in the sense of how is God's mercy shown? Oh, great question, because you're exactly right. People think of God finally got merciful when he sent this loving Savior named Jesus. But actually, the mercy of God, Hesed, is the Hebrew that goes all the way back to Yahweh in the scripture of the Old Testament. And to me, what makes it very important is the fact that we wouldn't have Jesus Christ 
incarnate sent if it wasn't for the Father of the Old Testament. And the essence of the mercy of God is seen right in the garden, because after Adam and Eve fell, we didn't realize um, as humans the significance, and the sin wasn't really so much the problem as it was what happened afterwards. Adam and Eve didn't ask for God's mercy, and Scripture tells us we must repent and ask for forgiveness and mercy. They didn't be merciful to each other. Adam blamed Eve, you know, Lord, the woman's fault. And see, they didn't completely trust in God. Instead, they ran and they hid. And this is the essence of the message of mercy is what we call ABC. We have to ask for God's mercy, be merciful to each other and completely trust in God's mercy. And the problem is we see that that is the essence of the scriptures, but we don't live it. And so we teach this ABCs of mercy, which come from the garden. God gave us the promise of a savior and the gift of a mother. And that's what he gave us in the garden. So yes, his mercy goes all the way back to the beginning. Have you had any personal experience with the divine mercy or something that has particularly drawn you toward it? Absolutely. Unfortunately, we suffer obviously so badly as we are in this valley of tears and a pilgrimage called life. And I lost my grandmother to suicide and she was suffering so greatly. She just really didn't know another way out. Mm. And I had always been taught that the Catholic church teaches that person who commits suicide automatically goes to hell. And when I learned that that's not church teaching, and when I learned that God's mercy is greater than even even suicide, now it never excuses it. Uh, suicide's never the answer. It's, it's a permanent response to temporary problems. Mm-hmm. But when I learned that God's mercy is greater even than that, and as he told St. Faustina in the diary, that he comes to every soul three times at the moment of death, and gives them the opportunity to repent, even though they may have died suddenly. It changed my whole perspective. And then he goes on in the diary of St. Faustina, and the catechism even says that, you know, in ways known to God alone, he gives even the soul who takes its own life the opportunity to repent. It changed my whole life. And so my experience was that of the suicide of my grandmother but learning that God can bring a greater good out of even the worst evil. Mm-hmm. And the greater good that he brought really was my priesthood. I feel that my grandmother, through the prayers of the chaplet, God's outside of time, I could pray even years later when I found out that she had, um, at the time she died, I didn't, I wasn't there as a Catholic. I wasn't praying as I should have been. And then a decade later, when I really realized all that, I felt guilt, tremendous guilt. But then I was consoled by the fact that our prayers are timeless. God's outside of time. So we can, we can pray even now for their salvation. Not to get them out of purgatory, but literally to help them at judgment. Right. And so I wrote a book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them, meaning those who have died, and for you, those left behind. It shows the mercy of God even in the midst of worse suffering. And, um, you know, that book is kind of the summary of my experience with Divine Mercy. We're talking about Divine Mercy with Father Chris Alar, and when we talk about this, there's a one day a year, Divine Mercy Sunday, that we kind of have separated out as something special. Can you explain what Divine Mercy Sunday is and what we should do to honor this day? Absolutely. It's Our Lord picked that specific day, the Sunday after Easter, uh, which completes what we call an octave. Octave is eight-day feast in the old Jewish tradition that we 
have, have taken on to ourselves as Catholics. And the octave of Easter is critically, it's the highest point of the church calendar uh, of our year, liturgical year. But what it is, is our Lord said on that day, and it's really a fulfillment of the Old Testament, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where it was the one day of the year the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies, offer sacrifice, and receive complete forgiveness for the people, not only for the sins, you know, that's the first step, but also all the punishment. Hmm. And people don't realize that. We have two stains in our wedding garment, and our Lord wants to come. He's our groom. He's our groom, and we're the bride. And he's going to come for us on the eighth day. Eight to the Jews represents eternity. And so he comes for us on the eighth day to enter into eternity, and he wants to take us to heaven. The problem is we got these stains on our wedding garment, our soul. That first stain is sin. We wipe that out in confession. But the second stain is punishment. And I use that term lightly because it's really loving discipline. You know, we, God forgives us of our sin, but, you know, it's kind of like the boy who breaks the window when dad said, don't play ball in the yard. He's grounded, you know, and he has to pay for it out of his allowance. So mm-hmm. there's that loving discipline. Now, how does this all tie together? Here's what it is. On that one day of the year, Jesus promised through St. Faustina in the diary, that the soul that goes to confession, meaning that you're in a state of grace, that that doesn't have to be on that day. That could be a couple days before. Um, But as long as you're in a state of grace and the soul that receives Holy Communion can receive not only the complete forgiveness of sin, but all the punishment due to sin. And people say, well, Father, that's no different than a plenary indulgence. Actually, it is. Hmm. Because a plenary indulgence, while yes, it also gives the complete forgiveness of sin and punishment, it has four conditions set by the church in her authority, one of which is no attachment to sin. And as I always say, good luck with that one, (laughs) because because we are all... you know, pure in our thoughts, gluttonous at the dinner table, impatient on the roads, angry with our friends and loved ones. We are struggling. So it's very difficult for us to have no attachment to sin. Uh Now, for the rest of us, our Lord gives us Divine Mercy Sunday, because on that day, we can only conditions our communion and confession, or I should say confession and communion or the only day of the year our Lord promises this grace with only having those conditions. In other words, you know, I mean, it's not a rabbit's foot or a magic wand where I can continue to live a decrepit life and say, oh, well, you know, I'll just get a few breaks here from the Lord, but I'm going to continue to do all these bad things. No, you have to have rectification of the will. But the beautiful thing is you can wipe your slate clean and start all over. So Kyle, what I say to the people is on that day, go to mass, Mm -hmm. any mass, after having been to confession, you simply come back to the pew and you make this prayer or something like it. Okay. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, you promised St. Faustina that the soul that has been to confession, I have. And the soul that has received Holy Communion, I just did, will receive the extraordinary promise of the complete forgiveness of not only all sin, but all punishment. And you will receive this grace 
where Jesus is a liar. And as I always say, nobody's going to claim that. <laughs> and, and, and the beautiful thing about it is Father Seraphim teaches, never will your soul be cleaner in your entire life other than your original baptism. Hmm. And so what an, a grace this is. Plenary indulgences are beautiful. I do them every day. But it's pretty hard to have no attachment to sin or even prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are scriptural ways to wipe out sin and punishment. But you got to have perfect love. Not many of us have that. So for the rest of us, God wants us to be pure and clean on Divine Mercy Sunday because it's the eighth day. Eight represents eternity. That's when we'll enter into the end of our life here on earth. We'll enter into eternity. Christ wants to come as our groom. We're the bride. But a Jewish man wants his bride spotless. Our stain is sin and punishment. We're not ready for heaven. So he offers us this grace on this day to become white, hmm. spotless. And that's an incredible gift. And so this is Jesus' message to St. Faustina, which has been approved by the church. Yes, correct. And John Paul promulgated it. Our last three popes, um, amazing. John Paul said there's nothing the world needs more than divine mercy. He consecrated the world to it. Pope Benedict said it is not a secondary Christian devotion, but an mm. integral part of Christian life and prayer. Pope Francis said the mercy of God is infinite, but the time of mercy is not. We are living on borrowed time. We must turn to his mercy now. In, and he declared the year of mercy. And Kyle, the important thing we have right. to remember is Jesus did, said to St. Faustina, mankind's last hope of salvation is divine mercy. Hmm. And he said, that is mankind's last hope of salvation. And, um, and, and if you don't pass through the doors of my mercy, you must pass through the doors of my justice. Wow. All right. Where can people go to find more information about divine mercy and find about you and the book you wrote? Absolutely. First of all, please visit uh, suicideandhope.com. There you can find healing resources, my book, and you can memorialize your loved ones. I pray for those names that people list. There's thousands. I pray for them uh, personally, each and every one. I say masses. The other one is called thedivinemercy.org. This is our website that gives you articles, updates, information about Divine Mercy. And you can find a lot of information about myself, Father Mike Gately, Father Don Calloway, and others who travel around the world spreading this message of Divine Mercy. All right. So don't forget, Sunday after Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday, and check out those websites. Thank you so much, Father Chris Ayler. Appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you all and to all the listeners. <laughs>